what you're experiencing today is based off of what you've decided to do in the past that that led you here, right? So if you want to change and and create any future that you want to, you have to be um as creative as you can and get as clear as you can to look out into the future, which I think I got really good at at a young age. But the difference was, you know, you then have to have a believable path to get there. Right. That's where the science and the right, right brain kicks in where like you've got to like really know that there's like a path for you to actually uh, achieve what it is you you want to achieve rather than hoping you achieve it. This episode is brought to you by WeWork. Don't just work from anywhere. Your working week deserves a little luxury like beautiful spaces to spark ideas in person. Designed carefully for collaboration and peaceful nooks with uh, focus mode and awesome Wi-Fi. I love WeWork because I'm surrounded by like-minded people. It's a great place to hang out, network, or make good friends. They're even dog-friendly. Whether you're a solo entrepreneur or you bring your entire team, yes, your entire team, uh, there's a place and a space for you at WeWork. Are you inspired by where you work? Check out WeWork. Because now you can unlock productive, flexible workspaces in over 180 locations near you, especially if you use the WeWork All Access Basic. Get 30% off your first five months by using code BRIANAA30, that's B-R-Y-A-N-A-A-3-0. Or to redeem the offer, just go to we.co forward slash behind the brand. What's up? It's Rob Deerdeck, all the way live from the Deerdeck machine right here in Beverly Hills. I am a serial entrepreneur, former professional skateboarder and television guy. And you are watching Behind the Brand with Brian Elliott. So good. Hey everyone, I'm Brian Elliott. Welcome to another episode of the show. I'm here with Rob. Rob, thanks for having us to the machine. Thanks for being here. Very impressive. It feels like mission control. Well, look, we are in the studio portion of the building, which uh, is only fitting for the interview. I love it. I usually ask my guests, how did you get this job? Oh, man. Wow. Like, you know, I would say I probably created this job. Uh, you know, the machine itself, I launched in 2016. I had, before the machine, been a serial entrepreneur and built uh, 13 different companies up to that point in varying stages from using operating partners to financing, all these different things. And um, in 2016, I wanted to create a business that solely created businesses because I realized like my true pra- my true passion was going through the process of ideating, creating and launching a business, but I didn't want to operate them all. Uh, and so um, the formula was essentially co-find them, fund them with great partners and then help advise them as they go on and operate and, and build these businesses. And I was able to do that at scale uh, inside this beautiful penthouse uh, in Beverly Hills, as opposed to being down in the trenches with all of the companies was sort of the concept that I did in 2016. But of course, I designed it and built it myself. That's how I got my job. I want to unpack all that. First, let's go back in the chronology a little bit. Let's take it way back to young Rob. Um, what were you thinking about when you were a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up? I, you know, look, I'm, I was really focused on soccer at an early age, right? And, and I, I like to say I, 
built this foundation of belief because everything that I would try when I was young, I would be really good at, right? So if it was soccer, if it was Taekwondo, and then found skateboarding and then got so good at it so quickly, there was already this clear shot to being a professional. So it's like at 11 years old, it was like, I'm going to be a professional skateboarder. And then, you know, I actually got that pathway through the local skate shop. And the local skate shop was owned by a serial entrepreneur by the name of Jimmy George. And not only was I on my path towards becoming a professional skateboarder, but I was watching him create company after company um, when I was very young. So then in my mind, I was like, well, I'm also going to build companies, That's right? Yeah. So no, no sooner did I become a professional skateboarder and move to California than did I start my very first company. Um, and then sort of the, the integrated vision of my life became, I'm going to be this big skateboarder and use that platform to build companies, um, off of, although I wouldn't have said it like that, you know what I mean? Uh, I wouldn't have used the word platform, uh, but I'm, and then I did that for years, you know, and, and, in the very beginning, let me, let me pause that and just, uh, break it down a little bit more. So. The ability to, to sort of be this chameleon where, you know, wh- whatever environment you're in, you blend into, you, you become a master of, whether it's skateboarding or taekwondo or soccer. Uh, so was that just in the genes? Yeah. And, and look, I think mastery uh, is a little bit too far. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just being uh, being recognized for doing it at a high quality and an accelerated rate. Anything yeah. you would decide you were going to do, you could be good at. Yeah. Um, built the foundation of belief within me that just led me to continue to take risk and try things and some things not work and, okay. and some things uh, did. But, you know, I don't I don't know. Is it is it genetics? You know, I got that Ohio genetics. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Daddy wasn't an athlete. Mom, Mom's never been in water, certainly never ran. You know, she may have walked fast in her life. She's definitely never ran. Yeah. Uh, but I, I again, when I reflect back on it, you 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 get you get lucky where you do something and you're good at it and you build belief at a young age, it becomes part of your DNA. Then you do that a couple times and find success. In my case, I'm cold called the skate shop that had a ramp in it and said, if I get 10 people to come in here and pay, can I skate for free? And they're like, what? Like, just come down here. Like, (laughs) who does this? I mean, and put a timestamp on that. About what year was that? No, I was, I was 11 years old. Right. And about what year? I mean, give us a so God. Analogy. I mean, geez, I don't eighty six. Okay, right. So, so for the younger people who are watching, eighty six. That's about a decade before the internet, way before cell phones, uh, camcorders. Even really, it was just kind of getting kicked in the gear. Yeah, the yeah. camcorder was the hot technology. Yeah, you know, the can look. The camcorder right. was the absolute and complete, uh, like revolution, along with the video cassette. You yeah. Know? It was heavy though. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, look, you didn't even you, you didn't even care about the weight because you couldn't even fathom that the giant one that was for like regular primetime news was now in your living room yeah. over dad's shoulder. Yeah, you're right. No one cared. Yeah. It was like mind blowing. Yeah. So that's exciting. We talk a lot about nature versus nurture. I think in this show, and just to frame it for context, you know, I think I like to. Um, purposely sort of overgeneralize two buckets of people that I kind of imagine who are watching and listening right now. One is they're young people, right? Teenagers coming out of high school or maybe coming out of college and they're thinking, what am I going to do with my life? 
And then you have a whole other bucket of people who are maybe mid-career or even middle-aged who have a chance to reset, reboot, or maybe they're unhappy with where they're at. And um, they're thinking, man, is this really where I want to be for the next 30 years? And so nature, nurture, you know, quality of life, all these things I think are top of mind in people. So it's, it's interesting for me to hear your mindset. And uh, so would you, would you put yourself in like that left brain or right brain category or maybe a hybrid of both? Well, I'm 100% hybrid of both, right? And, and, but, but you got to understand what's, what's the, you know, what's the purpose of the right and left brain, right? Like, well, one's all, I'm going to be creative, right? The other's going to be analytical and make sure this works, right? And, and the truth is there's a third one in my mind um, because it's art, science, and magic, right? Because the combination, you've got to create your future, Right. If you whatever you want to do, what you're experiencing today is based off of what you decided to do in the past that that led you here. Right. So if you want to change and and create any future that you want to, you have to be um, as creative as you can and get as clear as you can to look out into the future, which I think I got really good at at a young age. But the difference was, you know, you then have to have a believable path to get there. Yeah. Right. That's where the science and the right, right brain kicks in, where like you've got to like really know that there's like a path for you to actually uh, achieve what it is you you want to achieve rather than hoping you achieve it. Right. Right. Because you just don't really gain any. You don't if you dwell on why you don't have something, you're going nowhere. And if you hope and wish you get something, you're going nowhere. Right. So that that for me is just one of those things. I used to say I had a gift of execution because I would be, I would just decide, put a flag in the ground of what I was going to do. And then I would fight for it and learn and evolve and grow and evolve and fail and evolve and, and, until I finally learned it enough to get to it and achieve it. Right. And I think, again, where does that come from? I don't know. It, but it, it was a gift that was instilled in me that when I saw it work once, I believed I could do it again. And then I just continued to do it over and over at bigger and bigger scales, having that foundation of belief that I built at an early age. Yeah. You know that movie, Rudy? Mm -hmm. you ever seen, that's like one of my favorite movies because I think there's a line in it somewhere that says, you can't teach heart. Yeah. And, and that's what Rudy, who's actually a real life dude, yeah. uh, that's what he had. He, he didn't unfortunately have much talent, yeah. uh, but he tried to make up for it with effort and heart. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Is at the end of the, at the end of the day, that's where I go back to believable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can max what's possible physically and, and universally as Rudy did. But at the end of the day, you, you, it's no different than, uh, you know, getting to Mount Everest and climbing it like fluke first try, right? Like, and never being a climber. It's still the reality of you still have to, uh, even with all the heart in the world, you still got to be in a, a a clear reality of what's actually possible. You know. So, so let me ask you this then, because you're right. Uh, we can catch the Hail Mary pass. People do all the time. You know, this guy named Mark started this little website and it's now worth like a jillion dollars called Facebook and making all these acquisitions. Um, that was a Hail Mary pass for sure. I mean, give him some credit. He's got some brains, but First, first thing out of the gate for, yeah, he got, he got, I wouldn't call it a, a Hail Mary as much, right? Because the fact that he has grown into the CEO of one of the biggest global companies in the history of the planet Earth 
Um, regardless of how you may feel about how the, the company has been ran or the fact that it just lost two point, uh, $287 billion in market cap this week. <laughs> it's, I marvel at that shows you how actually talented he is and how he didn't get lucky because if he got lucky then he would have the moment like it started to grow he would have been blown out they would have put in a ceo that would have had the ability to run it and now he would be an advisor and then eventually he would be off in his hawaii compound working on his next thing because this time i'm going to own it myself i think he's actually a great testament of like where you can still have the potent you can create something at 18 um, with the soul of a 75-year-old CEO yeah. that has the ability to grow into it. Yeah, good point. He, he did have the vision. Um, and so what, what advice would you give then to people you know, who are trying to make it happen? Um, there's this idea that you should, like kind of what you're talking about, you, you discovered this ability that you had sort of innate, you know, God-given to be good at something that you tried. So should you pursue the stuff that you're good at and then you can become great at and then try to monetize that? Or um, should you try and do what you love? Because sometimes there's a disconnect, right? Like starving artist is a term for a reason because you might love art, but you could suck at it, yeah. right? You could be a great accountant, but it could s suck the soul out of you yeah. and you never love what you do. Like you're making great money. You're amazing at accounting stuff. But like you just hate it with all your, you know, everything you've got. So what is your advice on like the path? Well, well, number one, if you're an accountant and you're and you hate it, you made a bad life decision. Yeah. But you're great at it. Like you're like doesn't, the best. It doesn't matter. Right. Like it's what's the what's the purpose of being great at something if it doesn't give you energy? Right. Right. And, and at the end of the day, it's like um, if you're an artist but your ambition and your identity that you see for yourself is living in a mansion and spending a million dollars a year and driving a Ferrari, like um, you are going to be tortured for the end of days, right? Because you're, when you think about your life, it's, it's your body, it's your mind, it's your financial stability, it's your career, it's the people in your life, and then it's the things that are fun and adventurous that you love to do. All, all these make up your life, and all of them give and take energy, right? Yeah. That's essentially your whole life. And so if you choose a career that, that you're good at and it's the easiest path forward, but you hate it, um, it's okay if, if you can compartmentalize that and you work nine to five and it serves the financial needs and you now have it inside your system that now you can automate it and make it so effortless that it takes so little of your energy and you've already uh, dedicated that amount of time that you can now swing that energy over to now painting and playing guitar on the weekends and every, every evening and you live this balanced, happy life, right? It's how, how you design those six core systems of your life will ultimately dictate the quality of life that you have. Because at the end of the day, the quality of your energy is directly correlated to the quality of your life. You know, and, and every person, I don't care who you are, what your passion is, what you think you love, what, what, you know, whether you want money or you want to help the world or create a company, whatever it is, at the end of the day, we just want a high quality life. We want to be around people that we love. We want to be uh, doing things each day that give us energy that don't draw from us. And 
life mastery is when you can live an entire life day in and day out where you understand everything that gives and takes energy from you and you've created harmony in those and integrated those systems to create a high quality life you know so when when did when did you cross over into the matrix like when did you was this that sort of pivotal year that 2012 13 how did you become so sage when did you get that wisdom tell that story and look it's funny like the transition to like like a sage guy right it's like the funniest transition right because at at the beginning of the sage transition i was like i'm never going to be a sage you know i mean i love talking and being like you know storytelling and 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 what it is but um when i'm You know, I had just gotten, I had basically did life the hard way up to 2012, right? 13. And And what does that look like, the hard way? This this is, uh, you know, you got to think about this. You got the Fantasy Factory. You got Ridiculousness, Wild Grinders on Nickelodeon. You got 13 companies that you own. You got your mega DC deal, your mega monster deal. You're doing, you... You own all your integration, you're flipping cars, getting attacked by sharks, getting pulled into big waves, like you're doing all these companies, you launched Street League and disrupted skateboarding, professional skateboarding forever, like you built skate parks all over the world, you revolutionized it, like it's like, look at all that, this, and from the outside, like this is, man, this yeah. this fully integrated multi-platform universe, this guy is a one of one. Rob's a baller, look at all, all, everything That's he's doing. Yeah. In, but what what was actually going on is I was basically being pulled in a million directions. I had such little harmony in my existence that I was just, it was like, what was next? And since none of them fully connected, they basically wore me so thin where I'd have to work like all day, every day for like two weeks, then crash. Like, why am I doing all this? Like, this is, this is the life I want to live. Yeah. I party, I party, have fun. Like, oh, we're going to party, have fun. You got all these things you got to deal with. Like, it was just this constant sort of chaos. And was that because you thought that was, that's what was required? I, I thought that was what was required. And then as, as really ambitious, successful people often think one of these is going to be the one that makes me happy. Yeah. Your ship comes in. It's like, it's like you, you got all this, but one's going to be the one that's going to be worth, you know, 200 million, 500 million. And that's then I'm going to settle down and the perfect woman's going to find me. And then I'm going to have like, then I can be like healthy and more balanced and go on vacations that I was waiting for all of my hard work for the universe to finally present the great gift of like harmony and balance in life. And I think that in 2013, it was clear to me that that was never going to happen. You're chasing the shadow. And, 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 and I'll tell you what, because I, I, I thought all these different things along the way were going to be the one. Mm-hmm. So put all this effort into it. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, I'm going to go over here, put all the effort into this. Oh, that's okay. It must be this thing, right? So and when you put that body of work together, boy, you were extraordinarily successful. Yeah, outside looking in. I, and I, that's super relatable because we talked off camera. I left a big job at the studios where I, you know, I was fat and happy. I had a real cushy job. $50 million PL marketing the studio's films, uh, walking the red carpet with movie stars, 
Then I start my own company, have this rude awakening <laughs> of having my own budget. Yeah. Um, and immediately I set multiple boats in the water to sail. And they all launch at different times because you just don't know when a certain project is going to go or if it's going to get greenlit. But you got to have like a whole dock full of boats mm -hmm. ready to go when someone wants, wants to go, right? And I think I had the same mindset. I think maybe I still do that I'm waiting for my ship to come in or, you know, that one to hit. Yeah. And then I can, but that's, that's flawed. Yeah. No, it's, it's terrible. It's a fool's errand. And, and, and so I'll tell you what I did, right? Is I took stock, really like began to understand myself, took all these deep personality tests, like was like trying to get a 30,000 foot view of who I am. Myers-Briggs. Like, where, look, I, I like Myers-Briggs, like from, you know, the really basic level of self-awareness, but there's like this, there's these other really high level ones, Principles U that Ray Dalio does. There's a company called Insights yeah. that does one that when you read it, it's as if they stayed in your house for like six months and followed you, right? Pause right there. Do you think your skate friends, your skate peers from back in the day, how would they feel about you sort of you know, attaching, hitching your wagon to Ray Dalio and people like that. Are they blown away that you're... Not one of them has any idea who Ray Dalio is. Clueless, okay. Not even like a slight, even, not even a slight, no, if I could, if I looked, if I, I would look them right in the face today. I said, listen, if you want a better life than you have today, buy principles and read life principles and then go take the principles you test and you will have so much self-discovery yeah. of what how you can bring order to your existence to find happiness yeah. um no they wouldn't even they'd have no idea who ray is you know what i'm saying even, even some of my really sophisticated uh now mature financial homies don't even have like uh, uh the capacity to understand the brilliance behind principles and what Ray Dalio is even doing. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it's one of those works that I think is, uh, you know, closer to Napoleon Hill and Wallace D. Waddles and the science of getting rich and think and grow rich, right? These books written in 1910 and 1937 um, that are, are Bibles to success that an absolute truths and what it actually yeah. uh, on both a spiritual level um, and a physical level, right? These is how brilliant that stuff is. So no, I, I, I don't think that, but I do want to digress back to your boats, Yeah. right? Is the moment I looked at my all aspects of my life and instead of trying to design the next business that would work, I designed my life and how would the business integrate into that? And then I decided I wasn't going to do it by hoping whatever I build uh, becomes the cornerstone of the success, that I was going to build my life by design and intention and decide how I wanted to spend time, where I wanted to spend time. And then I wasn't going to compromise that. I was going to grow the next phase of my life in, in a highly balanced way. Um, and then I created the company that I built that was integrated into the way that I wanted to live, uh, not only now, but in the future. And yeah. So talk more about starting with the end in mind, because that's sort of the, the, the cornerstone, right? Right. It's, it's, it's the only way to get to where you want to go. And, and, and all of the goals that I set in 2015, uh, the life that I designed in 2015 in detail, um, is the life that I live today. Now, is it the way I envisioned it? 
like no because you you expand into life yeah. No, you expand. Even, even, even. I, I didn't, I didn't. There were all the milestones I knew I had to hit. I'm, I wanted to build and sell uh, fifteen to thirty companies for um, uh, twenty. I wanted to sell them for between fifty and one hundred and fifty million, and own twenty five to seventy percent. That was my goal in two thousand fifteen. I'd never even built and sold a company before that. You know what I mean? And and so the first milestone is I had to build and sell one. You know what I mean? Like that milestone wasn't changing. Now, how that process, you know, a lot of times, you know, they say like, you know, people think this is what success is and like, oh no, it's like really this. But really, it's about five core milestones and it's like this into those milestones because you've got to reach those milestones to ever reach the big flag you put in the end. And then you evolve that direction you don't like um you know you call it experience you call it whatever and and you'll be able to relate to this when you launched your company you were so excited you're like man i'm stepping out of the the corpo game and i'm doing my own thing it's time to time to launch the studio i'm gonna do my own thing and and then when you launched it once it was live it's like whoa what's happening here right and and so it, it is what actually had to happen is over the first couple years, it had to reveal itself to you of what it even means for it to be successful and how what's the pathway. Because most, they call it the valley of death in business. And, and what it is, is about, you know, most of the time, because you're all excited in the beginning, and then you, you've braced yourself for what's happening again. But when, it, when the waters get dark in the first year, year and a half, at about that point, you realize how hard it is and you, through blood and sweat, you really see how much you actually have to learn and do to actually achieve what you set out to do. And that's where most people quit because they, they, they finally see clearly what it takes to actually achieve it. And then they decide this isn't for me. I don't want to put that effort in. But those that push forward, then then go beyond it that because now they understand where their energy is being directed is going to have a higher output towards reaching a now much clearer goal that you thought was this, but was actually this by the time yeah. you got close enough to it. So, so let's get a little bit more specific on what exactly you did to get it dialed in to where it is now. You said you started then and and that's how you got to where you are now but in an expanded bit so what exactly did you do i, I mean to me i designed like how well, the type of money i wanted to make and where i would put it so does that mean you wrote down a goal and said i want to make x amount of dollars yeah okay yeah and and but really i wanted to build at that time then i wanted to um I wanted to have $50 million in cash flowing multifamily real estate. Okay. Specifically, right? And I wanted to earn between 7 and 8% off of that $50 million in syndication model, right? So, so imagine this now. If you, if you earn 7%, 7 to 8% in the syndication model, you get all the depreciation of the building. And then when they sell the building in every five to 10 years, then you 1031 exchange the growth. So it essentially becomes a tax-free snowball of 
wealth. No risk. And, and, and slight risk, right? If you have a bad operator, you're over leveraged. There's all these things inside the space where there's risk, but relatively you can go through cycles, you know, in the case of when inflation pops, well, guess what? Your, your, so does your rent, right? Yeah. So, it's not like opening a restaurant, but, though. <laughs> right, but, but why did I choose that? Because I looked at, okay, if I'm going to be on my career plan is to do these highly high risk ventures where if your true passion is curating entrepreneurs ideas and then helping them build them into sustainable acquirable businesses, we know that's a deep dark water that seldom works. So that's that super high risk. But what did I want money for? Well, money is I a certain type of lifestyle that I need to live based off of the identity that I've created for myself, right? I want to, uh, you know, live in a mega home in a fancy neighborhood and drive Ferraris and fly private. I, this is what I want, right? And so it's, I designed my plan so that I could live that way is and that lifestyle in a sustained way, yeah. right? And so at that time, I knew that, okay, well, that's it. Right. Because think about this. If, you know, I knew to live the life that I wanted to live, it'd be around two million dollars a year. Right. Uh, give or take. And so like by setting the goal um, of the multifamily units and, and the cash flow. Right. That's fully depreciated. And you're getting the equity growth. That meant it had nothing to do with whether I was on TV, whether I was had nothing. It was completely separate to my venture side. And it's a diversified por portfolio. That's it. And, yeah. and, but super simple and easy for me to understand. And what did I do? I started, it didn't matter how much money I made, I took all of it and dumped it into that system until I got, till I reached my mark. And then what happens when you reach that mark? You are free forever from the mental burden of financial stability. And, and to me, it's the one of the most significant pressures on your energy is your financial stability, oh, yeah. right? And so I, I knew that I part of my system that I wanted to create was to alleviate that so I could focus my energies on uh, what I enjoy doing the most, and that is uh, curating ideas and entrepreneurs and going through that exciting phase and launching them and getting better and better at it. So who taught you that, Rob? Who, where did you get that knowledge? Where does that come from? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's, it starts first with an intention, yeah. right? Of like, I, I need stability, right? But for me, it was a chance meeting with Tony Robbins, okay. right? Who uh, asked if he could connect with me uh, to, if I would be interested in reading his book, Money Master the Game and promoting it to my audience. And my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife is big into personal development. I thought she'd be really impressed with like Tony Robbins. You know, you that guy, Tony Robbins, you're all about just yeah. reached out to me. And but that book really changed my life because that yeah. book really laid down the, the fundamental idea of what does money mean to you? Yeah, because I read I, that book. I interviewed him on that book, too. Yeah. And, and, Great book. Yeah. And for me, it was just I, it was that that tool I needed, that one bit of shift in my way of thinking of what does it? Why do you what do you want money? Like you just think you need this large amount. But what would you even do with it? You know who else is in that book? 
Ray Dalio. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's really where I discovered like yeah. sort of Ray's like, and that was pre-principles, right? Because you know, really, Ray was just the biggest hedge fund guy in the world and obscure even yeah. even up to that point. But I, I only say like then. I was introduced to um, one of his financial advisors and I was trying to explain why, what my vision was for money and then like how I was looking at the type of investments. And he was like, then I think you should get into multifamily real estate. If you're looking for something that cash flows, this is how it works and why really wealthy uh, family offices do this, right? And then I just did the research and began to learn it and understand it and then set my plan, right? So it, again, it started with an intention of like knowing I needed to create a financial plan that I could grow into, right? And then now I, I the way I, I look at, you know, I have this giant non-correlated portfolio of, of, of real estate cash flowing assets that are uh, RV parks and storage units and all of these different things, right? And 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 how I look at at the way that I read somebody's prospectus when they send it to me, like I can tell if you're a good operator. I can look at how you leverage it. I can look at the type of product you're buying because now I've gained a mastery in this asset class because I again chose put a flag in the ground of this is what it was going to be and then i grew into it and the more deals i did the more i learned and i evolved and evolved and evolved into where i am today right yeah. but at its core it is i'm living the freedom that i have today this the feeling of like like i could just stop doing everything and do whatever i want forever is an extraordinary like what I'd consider like, you know, cushion as it relates to the way you think about everything, because it, re it releases the stakes of almost anything that I do, right? right? With that never compromising my family. But think about this. I built that while being fully balanced. So I never wanted to compromise living balance ever again. And what happened over those five years? I mastered being balanced, right? Yeah. Most people think that like, oh, I could get enough money or I could, I could, I could be balanced next year, but it's not. You have to design balance and then you have to be extra, become really good at it for it to ever actually happen and be sustainable. It's a great example. Look at Mike Tyson, you know, made 300 plus million dollars over his career. You know, now he has significantly less. Right. Um, but what could he do? Well, you know what I'm saying? Any, any athlete, when like you're, when you really only know it, then you rely on trusting people. And at yeah. the end of the day, like, like they'll be very risky with your money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. As, as any, you know, great, uh, general partner is at a fund, uh, you know, it, it it's the, it's the idea of if, if you don't, build the knowledge and understand those aspects, then you're relying on trusting people and someone like him, you could never even trust. You already didn't trust anybody. Then like somebody could like you built trust with that doesn't have the skill set or even understand money properly. And then they squander it for you yeah. and there's nothing you can do. Can I just point out a couple of lessons that I'm hearing from you? One is this idea of intuition, invaluable, probably something we undervalue and overlook. And I think it's so smart. I, I just, I hear that you've been a person who's followed his gut and that's intuition. But the, the other 
pattern that's important here is, you know, when you're young, a young Grom, whatever, you have intuition, you have a sense to do something. It may or may not be the right path. That's, that's inevitable, right? It's just, you know, how things go. But like that process of moving your bones, doing something, if you have the insight to start with the end in mind, you'll be better off. But like the only way to get the wisdom and the experienced intuition that you have now, like you're talking about, oh, I can meet you for five minutes and I know if you're an operator or if you're a visionary, if you're creative, that only comes with experience. You, you can't buy that. You can't even read it in a book. You've just got to live life and have experience. And sometimes you got to, you know, pay the price. You have to pay the tuition for that life with, you know, setbacks and, and disasters. I've paid millions in tuition. Yeah. You know. And you've broken bones. So, so there's physical, probably an emotional tuition that you paid. You know, I'm saying more from the business front to be able to, to be able to, to, to have driven business to an intuitive state as, as I've lost millions of dollars along the way doing yeah. it. You know, what yeah. I mean? and I would guess that most successful people, that's the same yeah. story. But right. think about the value of intuition, right? Yeah. So if you, if, if, if you, um, are saying, Hey, you know, you can't get it without experience, right? And it, it boils back down to energy and effort. Right. Because the less energy and effort you uh, put into something, uh, the better you are at it. But intuition is when you're really good at it, when you can just hear someone talk and you do it. And that's only through experience. Right. But here's where it has an immense value is when you point that intention and that intuition and you build it with purpose. I have I declared my mastery of curating entrepreneurs and ideas and building them into successful, sustainable, acquirable businesses. And then I got better and better and better. And in the beginning, what did I do when I launched in 2016? It was like, I am a right left brain guy. And I, I'm looking for other CEOs with the do or die mentality like me, the grit, determination, fortitude and ambition, uh, relentless work ethic and unwavering self-belief in their ability to create their own destiny. They see it, believe it, do it right, right behind you on the wall. I, I was like, that's who it is. And they got to be creative and they got to be this and that. Now, I, first, I, I got goosebumps when you said that, and I might just have that little phrase embroidered on a pillow later, but yeah. that was good. <laughs> yeah, I've said it a lot. I've said it a lot over the last six years. But, but what happened was, is I had these really driven, amazing entrepreneurs um, that uh, I thought, you know, you're a business mind and a creative mind, that's enough. But what I discovered when I launched all of my first companies with my new philosophy is like, man, I got it wrong. Business isn't just uh, right brain, left brain. It is brand, product, media, marketing, sales, operation, finance, and then the people together that integrate it and make a great company, all built behind solid unit economics and a sizable market um, that, that is growing and has velocity. I, I had to learn that two years in because I did so many different companies with amazing entrepreneurs that had blind spots in sales and marketing and operations that I was trying to fight to fill. Like I, you know, great operating and, and, and super innovative product, but they just have uh, no idea how to build a brand and or scale the product line itself. They just have basically IP, right? Like no, no understanding of how to manage financial stra strategically, right? So again... In the process, 
I was evolving as well. And I just keep getting, it gets deeper and deeper and wider and wider every year that goes by. Every, I look at the companies I've built since 2016, like vintages of wine, right? And like the quality of the founder and the idea just gets better and better. And, and the consistency of the success gets higher and higher in that time frame as well. Okay. So I've heard you say now that basically you have this security net, trapeze net, you know, even if you're hundred feet high, you fall, no worries. I have financial freedom, but let's frame this in the context of maybe helping other people understand how and when to jump and how far, etc. Is it easier now to start something new now that you have that net or was it more difficult to, in the beginning when you had more to lose? So here's Understand this. I had zero when I started. Zero. But I defined what like my ideal life looked like on all aspects of my health, my mental state, my physical state, my like my uh, my career, my finances, the people in my life and how I wanted those relationships to be. And what did I do in my spare time and have fun? Right. All all of that. I I defined it. So is it easier for me today than it was in 2015? Boy, you better believe it. Because in 2016, when I launched this thing, I don't know if it was going to work. I don't know if it's going to work. In 2017, when I did all these things and half of them are working, it feels like chaotic. Like, I don't know if it's going to work. In 2018, like I'm going into now uh, the second year of this whole thing. And this is nothing like I thought it would be like, I thought it was right, left brain, like brand and business. Like, man, it's not. It's like all these other, like, oh, all this I didn't. And then at at about halfway through um, that second year going into the third year, like things really began to evolve and and codify. And then the universe reacted to that clarity and that, that, that sort of evolution that I went through and and similar that discovery of this is how much I actually have left that I need to learn to actually be able to do this at a high level is what sort of that breakthrough was and then when I finally broke through then boy it began to accelerate it and then the success came so much faster in the last two years versus the dogfight it was in the first three years so but I'm I again what I, what I try to really iterate with people is if you're going to build a company, design the pathway to success for your company and your life simultaneously so that you can grow into a successful life, not think that your company is going to be your successful life. And that way you're learning all these aspects about your business and how to make it more efficient, better, more profitable, get more consumers, whatever it may be. At the same time, learning more about how you can be happier, more balanced, have more energy, feel better about yourself, all these different things. So when you get there, you have everything rather than needing to now re-engineer the way you built your business on whether or not you can have a fulfilling, happy life. Yeah, I'm having like one of those little epiphany moments as you're talking because it's still as simple as you're making it sound. It's still blowing my mind, right? Because I'm thinking back to, you know, young me, even young Rob, where you probably put your body and your life on the line, swimming with sharks or hurling yourself, you know, um, in a car, you know, <laughs> backwards flip, whatever you did, you know, that was spectacular, but you put your life on the line and then you became this hero, but you didn't know how it was going to turn out. 
you're literally putting your your safety at risk in order to maybe possibly get that payday, hit that that uh, home run. But that's backwards. You you have to design your life first, and then decide what you should put on the line that aligns with that vision. Because at the start at the end is what is your ideal life? And it's easy. If you sat said, what would be my ideal for my body? What, what would be ideal? Well, shoot, if I worked out every day and did this and I ate like this, like it's like finance. Well, most people, and I found as I, as I asked people, what's ideal? Almost every single person is almost to the T, whatever they make in salary, they basically say 10 times is like the ideal money, like, or a hundred times, right? So if you make 150, you're always like, I, 150,000 a year, you're like, if I had 15 million, I'd be good, right? It's like, it's almost like one for one for whatever people make in salary. If they, if they eyeball a number yeah. where they think freedom is and, and, you know, what your career is and what you could get out of it. If you, if you, you could name ideally really simple on all aspects. And then it's just a matter of like, okay, well, what's a, what's five things I would need to do to actually do that? Yeah. It just sets the intention that allows you to begin to build a entire life uh, and grow it rather than picking like, and, and, and this is what happens when there's all this pull on those systems, then you're like, you're healthy for like three weeks at the beginning of the year and then you fall off. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you go through the highs and lows. Like, <laughs> you know? No. And so I, I love that you're talking about this. It's so important and it's so subtle. It's, I almost use the word insidious because what you're explaining is simple, but it's not always hard to do. And here's why I think why is because we have a lot of these tropes or norms or you know, cultural things that are fighting against that. Phrases like, um, I'll sleep when I die, or, you know, this, the hustle culture that's sort of messed up backwards. Um, or, you know, call it the, the Rudy mentality, which is, you know, leave it all in the field because I'm not as good as that person, right? I gotta compensate or overcompensate with effort because my skill is lacking. And then you hope that the coach is going to recognize you and call you in on the game. You get some playing time. Um, the problem with that is the price that you have to pay. It, it, you know, you, you're sacrificing this quality of life that you're talking about, whether it's mental or physical, for a reward that may not come. And And, and I agree with you that the order of operations right now, maybe, and I'll include myself in the statement, is backwards. We're, we're in pursuit of the dollar that we hope will give us the financial freedom to live like we want to. But you're saying, flip that script. Start designing the life that you want to live and figure out how to work into that. That's it. Because it's genius. Here's, the, here's where you get really trapped. It's not about like the Rudy mentality and the hustle going too hard in one direction. It's when... The system, because we naturally evolve to order. Evolution is our, our natural state. We want to continue to evolve and going from, from chaos to order is what we do. Now, the problem is most people 
build habits and systems in their life that integrate basically disorder by design. Well, the other thing too, to, yeah, to, to but, be but but look, but but just wanna, I just want to I just want to say this to the point. Like, and then you get now you're you're living comfortable, but you can't ever get fully healthy. You're never fully balanced, like because of the way that that the career choice that you have made, and you don't really like the job. You're not committed to like like having a great relationship with your wife and kids, and like you find your peace inside pockets of reading books and watching Netflix in between doing the things that you don't like that take energy from you. It's like, and that's your life, right? It's, it's the dysfunction by design and, and, and then you don't think it's ever possible to get out of it. And for the most part, it is extraordinarily difficult because you've got to change all of it to change any of it. And then when you don't have perspective on the sacrifice, you would actually, what, what you would get out of the sacrifice, if you did change all of it, you'll never be motivated to do it. But if you do it and you just see the slightest movement towards it, then you'll build the motivation and the belief that you can change. And even with setbacks, if you're growing towards your ideal life and changing your system, that's where the belief gets built over time that allows you to push through, be patient and eventually do it one day. Yeah, it reminds me of that quote. I think it's a Thoreau quote. Most men live lives of quiet desperation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've never wanted to do that, but in some ways I've just fallen into that bad habit, right? Of, uh, well, at first, you know, another one of these things is pushback is like, okay, kid, you got to pay your dues. Like back in the, uh, the sun sports days when I was working, you know, cut and sew, you know, <laughs> Uh, running things back from Quicksilver, Bill, Bong, Hurley, you know, you got to pay your dues. And then someday you could run DC brand or the Vans brand, you know, you had to pay your dues. But um, along the path, you should engineer the life that you want and, and not expect, you know, it to sort of fall into your hands. Like, uh, you know, you have paid the dues and now you get the reward. It doesn't work that way. No. Sometimes it does. And, you know, let's take the great uh, old Ray. Let's talk about Ray, right? Now, what did Ray do? He traded stocks when he was 11 years old, right? W went to college to learn how to be a financial advisor and manage money. Came out, started managing money, started getting good at it, got cocky, failed, had to start over, like, audit, like created his own system, became the largest he like hedge fund manager in the world. From 11 on, he was going one direction. Yeah. It's because it was sun sports to like, ah, I don't, I, I actually like sales. Like, so I'm going to go over it like this, what is, and then it's like, oh, I want to live fun, but I like doing this thing. It's, it's not, it's, it's those that were given the gift of identifying and then they get to evolve in a single direction. That's, you know, Tony Robbins would say like, understand what you want to master as early as possible. Right. And it's really just saying what, like, if you can grow in one direction, you're getting expertise. Your expertise has value. Your expertise gives you confidence. It gives you self-worth. It gives you stability, security, right? Like you can, monetize it, yeah. you can monetize it, all these things. And if it's something that you really enjoy, that's what you're really hunting. Now, like to me, like, you know, on, on my podcast, I ask it's, it's entrepreneurs pitch ideas and pitch questions. And I ask them to give their business vision. Then I give them feedback on their business. Then give me your life vision and let me give you feedback on your life vision. And 
it's the hardest one for everybody to, to get life. out, right? Yeah, yeah, like the life vision, like as you can say, like here's my vision for the company and what it's going to be and all this. But yeah. man, it's like, oh, life, like because we're just not ever taught to like, I certainly wasn't, right? And and I I had to basically get to a place of self-discovery and, and by reading the book, Start at the End, the business book, while I was looking for a consultant to help me build my vision for the machine or the Deer Deck Enterprise at the time, you know, I'm when I read the book and it broke down like, building a business at the end and deciding exactly how big you want it, like how many people would work at it, like what type of products you would make and what type of margin and what it would cost to get that all the way down. Like when you get all the way down to the beginning, all I thought to myself was, why don't I do my life like that? And that was like the beginning of the change of everything for me. So now in when I launched it, I'm... I didn't look at myself as somebody that like ever was going to share my philosophy. Like I didn't even know, like, you know, I had my make my own luck and these sort of different philosophies of in my fantasy factory days. But the fact of what I've been able to create in a life from a quality of life and energy and this sort of like euphoric level of happiness in real life, that's even possible. It's like, man, you do need to share this with people. You know what I mean? You got like a formula here, you know, and it's complex and in the way that I operate it, right? Because I'm like, the better I've got at it, the more like the more depth I've put into it. It's this beautifully automated, highly optimized machine. And I, I've slowed time down and time uh, efficacy and every hour has such value to me in my universe and it doesn't matter I don't look back and think like what I do last year I know exactly what I did last year I know exactly like what my rhythm's going to look like this year and know there's plenty of space for adventure and un unsuspecting things and I I can see out to my 65th birthday um, because I've gained so much clarity but that's the highly advanced, like some may, the obsessive, like tons of resources, success that you built around yourself to get this optimized. But if you just think about, man, what would be my ideal life? If you just start there and design it, and then what would be the plan to get there? That's all I'm hoping that people hear so that they just think of their life in, in these sort of core segments and these core systems. And if they design them to just lead them all to what would be ideal for them at the time they design them, right? Because when you get to this stage, when I grew into it, oh, it's like what I see and what I can become is now even deeper and further. And it's sort of this perpetual state of systematic evolution that... Yeah, that you're in this like flow state of energy and happiness and gratitude and fulfillment and, and, and filled with the, the, the excitement of what's possible in the future because it's this sort of controlled expansion that you get to live through and it's limitless by design and you're pulling all the levers to make sure you're doing it in a way that it's the most enjoyable and fun and fulfilling the whole way through, not just at the end of the ride. You know what I mean? I have no words. That's great. Um, <laughs> it was a concise one. That was a concise one. You know, I mean? I'll get fired up on it. You know what I mean? I get fired up and I enjoy yeah. well, sharing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting pulled in because I'm so interested. I'm um, having a hard time uh, managing the interview, but um, 
<laughs> that's the truth going off the rails man we really... <laughs> no i'm just i'm in it i'm in it yeah and talk about relationships what do your parents think about this new rob oh it's fine they they and also talk about some of the casualties along the way because um i'll speak personally that the some i had to learn the hard way is that i i was spending time with people who were kind of toxic in the past um about a decade ago let's say were not productive to my progression and you know not building me up but i felt i was pulling myself it was pulling me down so i had to separate from those people has this new mind shift this new optimize rob um has that turned people off have you had to edit or audit people out of your life talk about that uh you know not 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 really right because it's it's sort of you know you're you're evolving and growing and as you evolve and grow you attract um people into your life that serve sort of like your energy and your bigger vision right yeah, so like so yeah it's it's like in in you know call it old friends or people that are, have more what we'll say fixed mindsets you know um you you just naturally like grow apart if you will right but there's there's not like there's there's no sort of forced like you have someone toxic that's kind of bringing you down you just you you naturally and organically grow away right mm -hmm. and and then you have a greater understanding of all the people that are actually in your life right when when you start first with like i'm going to learn to master time and you just you begin designing your time and then you begin mastering that time it becomes extraordinarily valuable right and so when you start like deciding on what fits in there it, it ends up being a limited amount of people right and so yeah. so now when you get to that state now for me it's like well how do i optimize those relationships right like and for me it's like how do i make sure that i uh, spend the right amount of time with my parents right so i automate it it's twice a week facetimes with my kids and my parents and the once uh bi-weekly with my mom to make sure we get caught up and get her everything right like it's inside my system right and and then what's the most important relationship it's my wife right so i am you know i go through like i basically have an entire sort of um, system that I've built since we've been together that's been optimized over time, uh, getting deeper and deeper, basically making sure that our communication and, and everything about us uh, continually lives in this harmonious state, right? And it wasn't about what I think my wife should do or what how I think she should feel. It is like just hearing the things that bother her and then putting things into place to prevent them from ever happening, happening again, right? And for me, you know, that is, you know, I pick and take my kids up to school every, almost every single day. I take them to every appointment. I take them to soccer. I have breakfast dates with my wife. I have Thursday night movie nights. I have uh, Friday night sushi and Sunday night sushi. Um, the weekends are, are for family and we do family meetings on Sundays. Um, every single morning I get up, I write my wife an email of everything that I'm doing that day with a love quote um, so that she has clarity on everything I'm doing that day because she would be upset because she would hear something, hear me over talking to somebody about uh, something that I had done that she had never heard and she would just feel like I don't tell her anything, right? Yeah, we have Tuesday night. 
We have Tuesday night talk nights. We have a therapist come to the house every other week as the neutral ground to like, if there's anything like not in there, we meet with our three assistants every Thursday and do a Thursday sync and go through everything in our entire lives to get it highly organized. Our nannies, our life, everything is, is pushed into these systems that are effortless and optimized and ran by people so that again, we can live in this high energy state and have this amazing relationship together. And then I'm highly intuitive to how she feels. And if she's super upset about something, I will just blow out the back half of the day to go take her to get dinner to, to in order to like help her optimize with her energy. That's the flexibility that this system allows me. And then I ask her every single day to tell me qualitatively, how do you feel about our relationship zero to 10? And I make her send it back to me in email because like she used to tell me and she's like, that's not even true. I didn't even you. I was you weren't at a seven. You've been at a two for like a month. Right. Because and what that did, that qualitative data of her saying she now has this perspective to see like, like, oh, no, it, it's I'm only feeling this one issue feels like we've been arguing about something for um, like two weeks and it's really right. just been 24 hours. Right. And you got a paper trail. Right. Like, which I need to do to, which is really, it's funny, but needed in the clarity of the system. But what did that, like all of that became, it seems like, oh, that's a lot. That seems like a lot until it's just the way that we live and it's part of our rhythm and our system of life. It becomes effortless. And so now by design, we have this highly optimized communication and togetherness that I don't compromise. Yeah, I love this. I'm, I'm just imagining, uh, uh, honey, in my defense, uh, if you go back to the <laughs> analytics, I did do the dishes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yeah. yeah. And so there it is. So, and look, as, as, as funny as it sounds, boy, it's effective, right? Because you're always on, like, and then anytime, because it used to be, we would set two dates a week. And it'd be like, that, like, it's not enough. Right. And then it's like, oh, let's add a movie night. And then it's like, it feels like, it feels like you just, you're working all the time. We're not going when really I'm, I'm balanced and living all the time since I track every hour of every day and I tag it, it goes into this dashboard. Like it can tell you exactly where I spent my time. And I'd be like, look, this is, I know it seems like you think I was working a lot, but but I spent more time with you than I, than I worked. And, and then when it was like, when it was really like, wow. And then I saw sort of the power of that. And then I began to optimize for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of love this. I mean, if you're in a relationship, you, you know what we're talking about here, how important like proof is because that's, I get in trouble with that all the time. It's like, no, no, I'm pretty sure. Like I, I did, I did do that, but then I can't remember it. Well, what did you do? And what did you say? It's like, yeah. and, and, but think about it. It, it, it cleared out a lot of stuff and now it's, it's, it, we just live in this beautiful rhythm. Yeah. Right. And so, so rarely do things even happen. And when they do, they're so singular. And you, you attack it and handle it and it's gone. We've built no walls. We have no, there's no like stuck anything. There's nothing that allows to creep in and builds and gets, gets quietly dysfunctional over time until it rears its head type of thing. Like yeah. that does not exist. Now, uh, when does your book come out, by the way? <laughs> yeah, no, no. On all this. I'm, I'm in the middle of doing it right now. Okay. Uh, but, but, it yeah, but look, it's a, um, even the even the process to get to it but again even even my vision for that is i don't want to make you know um i want to make a think and grow rich 
Mm-hmm. I want to make something like I'm going to take the time. I, you know, I just hired a brilliant writer um, who has a deep experience in this philosophy, right? Which was essential, like that the at sort of the foundational understanding of this philosophy, in order to pull it out and and still has the capability to make it as entertaining as I would like it to be. Yeah. But understands the mission is not to make you know the celebrity book, but to cr- create a framework in a book. Uh, that a hundred years from now, some guy's doing a virtual reality metaverse, you know, interview, and he's referencing the machine mindset by Rob Dyrdek, yeah. systematically fusing art, science, and magic to manufacture destiny, right? Like, is is I want it to be timeless, and so I have no timeline on what it is, right? Uh, let me. That kind of reminds me of something uh, about brand. You know, this show, this series is called Behind the Brand. You know, we sort of pull back the curtain and we reveal the people you know, who are doing their thing. Do you think you're typecast to a certain degree? You know, you're that Grom. You know, people see you, imagine you, Rob Deirdre, okay, I can see him with a hat on and some sort of sneaker and maybe even standing on a giant skateboard. Do you get typecast? Like, So when you write that very thoughtful, philosophical, impactful book, are you, are you fighting that? Brand. What is the what is the Derek brand? Yeah, and and think about it, right? Like, um, think about that. So, professional skateboarder. I'm just a professional skateboarder. Then I wrote a television show. Yeah. Now I'm a television star. Then I wrote another television show. Now, what am I most known for? I sh- shoot 250 episodes a year of a fast-paced, edgy America's Funniest Home Videos. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 250 a year. I shot my 904th show on Tuesday. And it runs like all day, every day on him. 60% of the network did 55 billion minutes watched last year, the highest, the most watched by any show that there is. Yeah. So you probably, probably what most people know me for. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, but you understand in this conversation that the depth of actually how I'm operating and, and you, you know me well enough through the years of knowing that, like seeing how sort of the continual, continually evolving in, in different ways of different levels of success. Well, you know, you know, this guy's hardworking and smart, you know, he's got it. There's something in there. Right. And so for me, when when I think about my legacy and my brand in the future, you won't even think about you'll think, isn't it funny that he got attacked by sharks? And he was a pro skateboarder, I think. You know what I mean? It'll be like, I'm pretty sure like it, like the the history and what all of that is will fade fade away the same way being a pro skateboarder faded away now that I have 250, I shoot all this ridiculousness. Like you don't even like, skateboarder is sort of an afterthought in it, right? The same way what I plan to do in the future and transition the brand into this sort of, you know, integrated life and business philosophy, this, this systematically fusing art, science, and magic to manufacture anything uh, is going to be the future uh, that's much stickier, has a much broader impact, and is what I will be known for. It's hard for someone, um, you know, that hears me say that, to see that far out. Well, no, I'm always going to know you as from Robin Big. Yeah. You know what I mean? Depending on what it is. You know, because like if you think about like, you know, I put out all, a, a lot of philosophy content I started this year, right? Because I, I'm, you know, because you got to think I didn't do any press, didn't do anything for all the years that I built all of this, right? Because it's like, 
because it's like, why? Right. I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to spend the energy to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to continue. Like I will build it all. And then I will, when I'm ready to begin the process. And this year was just the beginning. These conversations are just the beginning because like, like there's going to be, you know, a, a handful of the audience of your audience be like, whoa, like, man, this guy, like what? Like, like I never, I've seen the shows before, but never, never thought about li- thinking of integrating my life like that. You know what I mean? And, and again, it's terrific. Yeah. And, and again, it's, I know that I'm love what I'm doing so much. And I'm going, I know I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. And I, I, regardless of the scale of the impact it makes, I'm investing the time, the energy and money to create a work of a book that my intention is not to be a New York Times bestseller on my vision board. It is New York Times bestseller for 511 weeks, right? Like I wanted to sit on there for for 10 years i don't want it to sit on there for like buy my way to have it on there for one week and be like new york times bestseller i want a to create something based off of man i did this it's wild it's wild because you can control your own reality and i'm proof because i i was like in chaos and hoping for the win and like this is what but but and and it didn't work and then i tried this and 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 it worked and what my philosophy ultimately will be all i can distill it down to like all the things that actually worked that i could share with people to create which in turn if you if it impacts lives at scale it will be way beyond uh, you know, dancing on the, on that that big stage with a giant big screen, yeah. Chanel and Stilo. This is kind of the lesson I wanted to extract, which is, and I had this discussion with Gary Vaynerchuk too, where Gary talked about being the wine guy, and then he became a media guy, and now he's going to be, you know, question mark, what's he next? Like, we're all that same person. Like, we are multifaceted humans capable of lots of different things, you know. You don't know this, but uh, I'm a pretty good cook. You know, <laughs> um, and I got a good singing voice, right? But um, I'm multifaceted, right? So the lesson I'd like to extract is the the Rob Derdick brand, you know, a decade ago or more. Um, you don't have to live that typecast. You you can change the narrative. You can change the story. You're the author of your own story. And if you feel capable of doing something, you should evolve. You know, and there's lots of examples um, of successful people doing that in entertainment, you know, in lots of different industries who've crossed over. It's not easy to do, but kind of what you've been talking about, you laid the foundation, um, you know, in entertainment They say one for the money, two for the show. So, you know, you've already done it for the money. You got your houses and you got your, you know, uh, storage places, cash flowing, and you got these other enterprises, you sold businesses successfully, and that's given you, you know, plenty of, uh, capital to work with and now if you do you know one that's for the money you do one for the show now you're able to take risks and venture out there write a book basically rewrite um the next chapters and that's how you do it yeah and and look it's your own paradigm will determine whether or not you think you can do it your own evolution will stop you right when you no longer are growing and are evolving and like you 
you know, I could just as easily be going to skate trade shows and have my throwback line with DC and have signature boards with Alien and going on like, you know, doing autograph signings at malls and doing, you know, like and living off of. But I'm the same way that I just continually evolved and grew and evolved. It, it is it's rare that it's it's when you hear it and see it you're like oh it makes sense yeah. makes sense because it's like like it's thoughtful articulate and and it makes sense that like oh why all the success it that you would have because you've always kind of thought this way and, and i think the same way when you when you hear someone like ashton kutcher talk and it's like about his investments and how he built a fund you're like oh yeah it just makes oh he's a smart guy it makes sense that he would evolve into that right like it's it's the what it actually takes the work that it takes as it relates to learning mm -hmm. like if you're just not committed to the long deep dark road of learning growing evolving and going through what it actually takes to become qualified and grow into an experienced intuitive mastery level in whatever direction you chose um, the same way that you were recognized for some form of mastery in another, um, medium, right? Like, like recapturing that in a completely different one is ex extraordinarily rare and difficult because you don't, you put in all that effort in those years ahead of time to get to there. You don't want to put that same effort in again, you know, mo well, at least most people don't. Right. And it does cost you that tuition. You're right. Yeah. Talk about that watch. So instead of a Lambo, you bought that watch. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, look. I mean, um, I you put it on that. a vision wall. I put it on a vision board. I'm a watch guy, but I mean, this is obviously the, the deepest I've ever gotten. Right? Show the camera right here. Uh, what you got? And break it down. What, what kind of watch is that? This is a Richard Millet. Richard Mille, as it's actually pronounced. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, to me, it's it's. It's this idea of I could look back at all my watches and it's sort of the level that I grew over time, yeah. right? And started first with my date just, or my first was my tag here that I put on layaway at like the local mall till I made payments to be able to get it. My first tag, it was like, here we go. Mm -hmm. Then it's like your first date just Rolex, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, man, you're moving up. Then it's like... You go to a presidential, you know what I mean? You buy a used presidential, you're now walking in, in different worlds. Then you, you, you might spice off a little bit and you get a like Breitling. Then it's like, oh, that's too crazy. You still have all those watches? You had a big I collection? I do. Oh, we're going to have to come back and do a part two just on your watches. Yeah. So is that a one of or? No, no. You know, there's probably a hundred of these. You know what I mean? The Bubba Watson, RLM 05. You could buy one for like 450 right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, but again, it's like an investment, right? Like in the sense of like the market value of what these have done, um, since it was purchased, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, of course, like my mother, like, I don't, it's, it's ugly and it's, I don't like who would even, if you were going to sell it, who would even buy it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she can't even like forget, forget like it's value that it's an asset class. And there's sort of like this sort of aspect of, to collectible watches. It's like in her mind, no one would even spend the money yeah. on it. It looks like a Swatch watch or something, you know, like, yeah. but it's probably, probably more expensive than her house, I would bet, or at least what they paid for it. A hundred percent. And, and, and of course, as you know, I paid for it. Uh, so I can tell you for sure it was, you know what I mean? But look, in, in Ohio, you can get a nice house really. Cheap. Absolutely. And there's no shame in that. That's, yeah. that's terrific.
Well, uh, I could talk another six hours, but we'll be respectful of your time. Uh, any final words of wisdom that you want to impart? Uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't have. Uh, I wish I had like an ender. You know what I mean? That was like, I could. I wish I could have had a dart that just ended this thing. Like, look inside your soul, yeah. pull everything apart, put it out on the table, make a design for it, and put it back in. You know, I wish I did. But look, at, at the end of the day, um, you know everybody's searching for the same thing, right? And it's just like high quality life and a high quality life uh, and high quality energy is where happiness lives. It's where gratitude lives, where fulfillment lives. And, and the only way that you can actually ever get there is to design it with intention. You know, it, it's like you can't do one or two little things and hope that it does it. Like if you design the life that you want and go live it, you will eventually grow into it and then be truly happy. I mean, we were just sitting back, you know, <laughs> chopping it up, reminiscing about the good old days and all that, <laughs> you know, tracking my roots, where I came from and where I'm going. Like I say, man, always said it. It's not about the destination. It's all about the journey. Ain't nothing changed but the weather. The dangling carrot that hang from the rear view. Uh -huh. Your dreams in the past ain't nowhere near you. Backseat drivers got nothing but two cents. Shotgun riders, too biased, they all liars. I should get an A for effort, I'm too tired. But I'm never giving up, that's why I'm kinda admired. Role model, like it or not, I gotta play it. Sugarcoat the rhyme sometimes. But